It's a crazy world out there, and this is the place to help you figure out how to live in it. Welcome to the Masculinist Podcast, the show about how we live as Christian men and as the church in today's radically new and challenging world. I'm your host, Aaron Wren. Thank you for listening. Please visit our website and sign up for our newsletter today at themasculinist.org. You can also support the work of The Masculinist on Patreon at patreon.com slash masculinist, on Gumroad at gumroad.com slash masculinist, or on PayPal at paypal.me slash masculinist. And now for today's show. When they asked Willie Sutton why he robbed banks, his famous reply was, because that's where the money is. Similarly, why care about cities? Because that's where the people are. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Aaron Wren. I'm kicking off my inaugural series, which is called Urban World, Urban Church, that I hope is going to give you a lot of insights into what's going on in parts of the Christian world today. But before that, first a word of thanks to all of you for listening. So many of you decided to check this out, and I even already have 12 five-star ratings on iTunes. So whichever of you uh, went out and gave me those ratings, thanks. I really appreciate it, and I'm going to endeavor to earn those five stars. And I definitely do encourage all of you to leave an honest rating on iTunes because that definitely helps with discoverability. In our series on Urban World, Urban Church, I want to first give some key background information on trends and urbanization that you need to understand to to make sense of this. And today I'm going to start with the global perspective, uh, which may be of less interest to some of you, uh, but I think is important to know. And then the next episode, I'm really going to drive into the American context, which is also applicable to much of the rest of the developed world. We are in the midst of the most profound demographic and cultural shift in the history of humanity, namely the switch from living in a rural or village or small town type communities to living in urban ones. And when we think about history, it can be misleading. We tend to think about the great cities of the past, you know, Babylon, Athens, Rome, places like that. But the reality is that until very recently, almost nobody lived in cities. As recently as 100 years ago, only about 10% of the world's population was urban. We were a 90% rural planet into the 20th century. Today, we're over 50% urban, though, and by 2050, we're going to be over 75% urban. And by the end of this century, humanity will have gone from living an almost entirely rural and village existence to an almost entirely urban one, this in the span of only about 200 years. Nobel Prize-winning economist Paul Romer likens this to people changing from living like packs of wolves to living more like ants or termites. And this might not be uh, that appetizing of imagery, but I think it gives a great picture of the radical nature of this shift. To try to put some more color on it, according to China Daily, over the next 10 to 20 years, another 400 million people in China are going to migrate from rural to urban areas. That's more than the entire population of the United States. Now, China has a strategy of deliberate urbanization. That's not the case in India, but even there, the UN has projected an additional 300 uh, million urban dwellers by 2050. Africa is also seeing huge urbanization. In fact, Africa is really poised to dominate the world in population growth. There are about 1.2 billion people in Africa today, and uh, it's projected by the UN to double by 2050. I'm personally a little skeptical of that. I think fertility, 
uh, is going to fall more substantially there uh, than we might be projecting. But that's still, you know, half or more of global population growth in Africa, and a lot of it's going to be in cities. Not only is the total number of urban dwellers in the world skyrocketing, the size of cities has grown tremendously in the modern era. In 1800, there was only one city in the entire world with a million people, Beijing. Now there are over 50 cities in the United States alone with over a million people in their regional populations. And there are now cities on a scale nobody in history could have imagined. There's a term called megacity that refers to cities with a population of over 10 million people. These basically never existed anywhere in time until the very recent past. As recently as 1950, there were only a grand total of two, New York and Tokyo. Today, demographer Wendell Cox lists 37 cities with over 10 million people. The largest in the world is Tokyo with around 38 million, and there are a lot more of these megacities coming. Obviously, keeping up with the growth in urban populations is a huge challenge. According to McKinsey Consulting study from a few years ago, just the top 600 cities in the world will require an additional $10 trillion in annual physical capital investments just to keep up with growth. That's buildings, infrastructure, etc. Just to keep up with the growth, $10 trillion a year. It's, it's almost incomprehensible. And that's a big problem because a lot of these new megacities and other cities are in the developing world where they don't have many resources. That includes places like Jakarta with 32 million people, Manila with 24 million, Karachi with 24 million, Dhaka with 17 million, Kinshasa with 12 million. Most Americans don't even know where most of these cities are. Some of, some of us listening may not. And it's a real question mark as to whether or not many of these cities will ever turn the corner to have first world type services. Usually urbanization has led to economic growth, as in the United States, but now we're seeing urbanization without growth in parts of the developing world. According to the UN, almost 900 million people uh, around the world live in slums. That's more than the population of the United States in the EU combined. Living in slums, right, which are really, you know, these very dense informal settlements um, in urban areas. And that number is only going to continue to grow up, go up. So what does this all mean for the church? First, it means that the mission field of evangelization in the future is an urban one. And I think a lot of us still have in our mind a missionary is someone who is contacting remote tribes or doing work in a village somewhere. Uh, people like Jim Elliott and that tribe in South America that, that killed him or, or someone like that. And, you know, I personally know people who do that sort of work. One of the missionary families that my old church supported was in Mongolia, uh, supporting uh, rural people there. Uh, we still see stories about, for example, this guy who tried to visit this uncontacted tribe off the coast of India uh, and was, was killed. And so this is, I think, still a very prevalent idea that people have in their mind. And, you know, the reality is that for most of church history, the population was, in fact, overwhelmingly rural. But today, that's a flip. So we have to have a flip in our mindset in terms of what it means to support mission. Think about, for example, the 900 million people living in slums. How do we evangelize a slum? And I'm sure there are people who are out there doing it, and uh, it's definitely a huge effort, and it's a totally different environment than trying to do ministry or a rural or, or village environment. You know, again, I, I have this image in my head of missionaries helping 
villagers drill wells and stuff like that to access water, clean water. Well, water access is a huge deal in a lot of slum areas. I mean, one of the characteristics of these uh, slums is that they do not have access to the utility grids that even do exist in those places. So how do you get water there? Many of these are built on like hillsides and stuff where it's probably not easy to drill uh, for for water. I meant I don't know. Uh, but thinking about that, it's a totally different context. And again, think about the resources needed to support this massive population shift. I mentioned above the $10 trillion a year that these places need in physical infrastructure. But think about how much they need in terms of spiritual infrastructure. Think about how many churches you need to plant in order to support this population, for example. The folks at Redeemer to, uh, City to City, which is Tim Keller's church planning outfit, uh, they use a rough guide of one church for every 10,000 people. Well, think about a, church, a, church, a town of 10,000 people in the United States. Um, how, many, how many churches does it have? Well, a lot more than one, that's for sure. Maybe too many, all right? But that's a podcast for another day, right? So I would, I would say that one church for every 10,000 people isn't necessarily, uh, you know, an unrealistically, you know, high density of churches, for example. But if you just take that ratio, think about the level of church startup activity that you need. Based on the China numbers, you know, I just did a back of the envelope ca- calculation. You know, I would estimate it would take five to 10 new churches that would have to be started there every single day, 365 days a year, just to keep up with the population growth in urban areas. That's without reaching a single existing resident of any of these cities, right? That Think about how much money that takes to do. Think about how many trained people it takes. That is just an unbelievably enormous undertaking, Similarly, think about trying to reach 1.2 billion new people in Africa. Now, not all of them will be in cities, but a lot of them will. I mean, it's really crazy to even think about. And that's why, you know, I'm happy to support the work of people like Redeemer City to City. It's important stuff. And it really goes a long way to helping explain why guys like Keller have achieved so much mindshare and are able to raise so much money. They've got a very compelling story to tell on the Global Urbanization Challenge, Uh, And as they say, it has the additional benefit uh, of actually being true. Now, of course, many of these places have large Christian populations already. So most of the work to be done will be done by people already living there. Some of it's undoubtedly going to be indigenously financed. So I don't want to necessarily make it sound like for someone sitting in the United States, this is 100% the responsibility of the U.S., uh, you know, frankly, the, the, you know, in Africa, for example, there's already a, just a self-replicating uh, Christian community in many of those places. Uh, and, you know, many other places around the world are, you know, have big accessibility issues. But nevertheless, the global context has seen, you know, a huge shift, a massive shift from rural to urban living. Uh, and it's one of the most, it's probably the biggest demographic shift happening, except perhaps for the decline in fertility around the world. And this is completely separate from the U.S. discussion. You know, in America, we've long been in an urban society. And I think we like to distinguish here between urban and suburban. But in fact, urban and suburban are both just different forms of city life. About 80% of the United States population lives in urban areas already today. Now, that was 50% way back in 1920. 
And that's not to say we don't have our own rapidly growing cities with, um, you know, places like Dallas-Fort Worth or Houston on a regional basis, which is the real definition of a city, adding over a million residents per decade. But our challenges are fundamentally different here. The global context isn't necessarily a driver of dynamics in, in the developed world, but they often get conflated by uh, urban triumphalists. So when you hear people talk about all this globalization that's happening around, the, excuse me, urbanization that's happening all over the globe, you might in fact hear them essentially make a pitch for their own church uh, in a city here. And I do think those are two totally different things, both important uh, to address. And I, I think that there are, you know, this global trend is something we really ought to keep in mind because it does affect us maybe a little bit less than what's happening in the United States, uh, but it's something to keep in the back of our minds. So in the next episode, I'm going to come tell you some about what's happening in the uh, in the American context uh, where it starts getting closer to our own personal experience. In the meantime, tell all your friends and don't forget to leave a rating on iTunes. See you next time.